What's going on everybody? It's your boy JME and welcome along to another edition of hashtag are you okay mate? Little bit of a different one tonight. I'm actually recording from the car. Uh, I'm joined tonight by a very special guest, a good guy, a guy called Mark Williams who's a author of a book um, yeah, uh, relating to men's mental health. So let's get into it. Hey guys, um, welcome along to a very good guy, a guy I actually met on a mental health awareness event back in November last year actually, a guy called Mark Williams, he's the author of a book called Daddy Blues, which is all about postnatal depression in men. Um, Mark, thanks for joining me mate. Yeah, no, you okay sir? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. So, are you okay mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, yeah, really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, it's mental health awareness. Mental health awareness week. It seems like it's um, it's starting to be more prevalent in the media and stuff now, isn't it, mate? Definitely, yeah, it's right. It's always uh, it's a long time coming, as you know. You know, so it's uh, it's uh, like I always say, we all got mental health. It's like a good old band, you know. So we should be talking about it in schools, uh, doing interventions, you know, save money online. Yeah, abs- well. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Mark, um, I was really keen to get you onto the podcast. Um, obviously, me and you met back in November at the right. Mental Health Heroes <laughs> event. Uh, had a really good chat. Um, and one of the things that sort of stuck with me is your sort of area of expertise, really, which is the um, postnatal depression in dads. Um and obviously, this pod, this podcast is geared towards men, mental, men's mental health, so it made perfect sense to get you on. Um, so, Mark, do you just give us a brief overview, mate, of sort of postnatal depression in dads and how you came across it and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it comes from a lived experience. I was I was never diagnosed with any sort of PTSD or PMD. Uh, it was only at crisis point actually. I uh, was actually diagnosed with ADHD, which is. Uh, probably the most unrecognised disorder amongst adults. It's only the last 10 years. It's actually known, you know, because it's like a disorder. But a lot of parents, uh, or men, women, uh, before they become parents, they actually got previous history of depression, anxieties, or traumas. Yeah. And what happens is then, the only way to describe it to my friends is if it was not pregnancy, or obviously baby, then that man or woman will be depressed in the postnatal period, which is the first 12 months. Yeah. So there could be a number of factors. There's always been a hormonal risk. Well, it's a hormone change in power that testosterone goes down during this time. But also, it could be lifestyle changes, lack of sleep, because, you know, people with bipolar, schizophrenia, clinical depression, baby comes along, you know, you can go, what, uh, your partner's got postnatal depression, up to 50% of dads will actually get depression during this time. Yeah. You know, financially, you know, there's loads of reasons, but the only way I describe it really is, uh, uh, well, going to clinical is if there is no baby or pregnancy because uh, a lot of things does happen during pregnancy and the natal period, then that, per- that dad wouldn't be depressed. Yeah, yeah. As well. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the thing is, like, I'm a dad myself. I've got two boys. Um, as as anyone following me on Insta or know, and as you all know, and um, and becoming a dad, it is such a life changing experience. And I think that if you suffer with poor mental health like any change in your life if you suffer with poor mental health any change in your life gets amplified 
Um, Absolutely. And when you become a dad, it's like, wow, so not only have I now got this pressure of dealing with what I'm dealing with, I've got to make sure that I, and, and, and I hate these two words, man up. Um, yeah. I've got to be, I've got to be a dad. I've got to be strong. I've got to be a leader. And then you're just suppressing it more and more, aren't you? And I should imagine that just sort of, that contributes to the uh, poor mental health um, that little bit more. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, the, and the thing is, what people are not aware of is that, that PTSD is an anxiety disorder, either witnessing or experiencing a life-threatening event. So one of three of us will have some sort of PTSD, where it's mild, moderate, to the severe end of it. So if you witness trauma, like your loved one, you know, think your baby's going to die, or, or yeah. you know, neonatal, you know, it, it goes, uh, or, you know, it goes on and on. A lot of these uh, signs and symptoms they overlap in the post-natal period then as well, like you know, so. You know, I've come across dads who've gone through horrific things, you know, over their lives, uh, you know, what they've witnessed as well. And, so, and also, if they've already got PTSD on top of that as well, as you know, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's so complex, as you know, Jim, with, with mental health. It's not one fits all, like, you know, it's, uh, so this is why, you know, um, a lot of these men are not picked up like mums as well. We only started to look at mums more. They go into the services years later. Yeah. And like myself, you know, it took, a, it took actually a breakdown uh, when my body literally shut down until I, I was actually in, uh, in the community mental health services, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, me and you had a good chat after the Mental Health Heroes event because right. it sort of started, didn't it? Like, I told my story and I, I remember looking across the room and seeing you nodding at, at certain points of my story um, and then you told your story and I was like, wow, a lot of this rings true with me, you know, from like the birth of my first son. So my first son, who turns 10 next month, can't believe that. Um, That's bad, Yeah. <laughs> He was six weeks premature. Um, yeah. And he spent 10 days in a special care baby unit. Um, and looking back, uh, obviously knowing what I know about myself now, looking back, that I, I probably did suffer a little bit with the postnatal depression, you know, because there I was going... And I was going through a bit of a, sh- a, bit of a shit time at work as well when he was yeah. born. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally that week. Um and then, obviously, him going into hospital, becoming a new dad, uh, a, a new dad to a poorly baby, you know, it does sort of all, all contribute, doesn't it? And Definitely. I, I think it's when when you find yourself in a situation where you're getting lots of tests and trials thrown at you, that's when any sort of mental illness will get exposed. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like you're talking yeah. about... Sorry, to, you were talking about PTSD. I watched a great thing on TV last night about PTSD, about troops. There was three troops that sadly took their own life when they came out, and it was the PTSD that triggered the depression and everything. And yeah, it's horrible. Well, I say it's horrible. It, it, it's so intricate, isn't it? And how it all links together. You're so right, then. I know, I've worked in security units, I've, I've witnessed so much horrific things, but for me personally, you know, my own personal experience, I had my first panic attack in the labour ward, thought my wife and baby's going to die, and uh, emergency C-section, you know, my wife gets rushed off, and, uh, and ex- you know, explain what's going on, very anxious, and then I was getting nightmares, sick, my wife and baby died in the labour ward, you know, afterwards, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, my, my wife was in crisis team, so, you know, when she tried to take a life, you know, I witnessed that as well. So it's another form of PTSD, you know. 
about the concerns about the mental health in their children do you know that's one thing that that weighs on my mind constantly because of everything that I go through I worry that my children will suffer like I worry about their mental health um, and I look for signs in it even now at their young ages of six and ten but I think that's why I'm so open with them and I encourage them to talk about it do you know what I mean definitely they're more likely to open up to you because like my son he's probably the most educated 14 year old now because my wife works in mental health as well and yeah. he's more likely to come up to me because you will understand it if, if they are struggling and that's what we've got to be doing is having these open conversations not because we've got depression or anxiety but mental health in general yeah. even if you know you know mental health should be we all got it we should be talking about it like you know absolutely you, you're so right absolutely like I I was uh, I, I, I was very lucky um, I was lucky enough to do a radio interview uh, last week. And I was, yeah, I spoke to you now. Yeah. Yeah, and I was <laughs> chatting to a guy there. I was chatting to the guy then, and he, we was talking about it. We was actually talking off air. Um, and he said, like, how comfortable you are you talking about your mental health? I said, well, let me counteract that with a question. I said, how comfortable were you talking about a cold? Yeah. And he went, ah. I said, exactly. I said, that's how they're the conversations we've got to have. And that's how I want my children to grow up. So, because I quite regularly, not so much my youngest, because he's still a bit too young to understand, but my oldest now, um, I quite regularly talk to him about feeling sad and feeling down and that it's okay to feel like that and he should be able to to talk to people. Um, so, Mark, I just want to talk to you quickly about your book, Daddy Blues. Um, just give us a sort of background story on that and how yeah. it comes out. Yeah, <laughs> basically, um, you know, I'm, I am dyslexic, uh, different forms of dyslexic, loads of... So it was uh, ghostwritten that, you know, um, took me years to do it, but it was ghostwritten by the publishers called Trigger Press. Yep. So a lot of profits go to the um, Trigger Press, um, obviously for the mental health charity. But I thought if I was going to do a book this time round, it's got to be an honest book, uh, as honest as it can be, like, you know, so... It basically says about uh, my experience and also it's got a positive twist to it. You know, something good is, I have always said I want something good to come out of something bad. Like my wife, uh, Michelle, 
know, yeah. she works in the field. You know, it's a, it's part of an inspiration to say, look, if I can do it, you know, why can't you write the book? Why can't anyone else write the book? Absolutely. Why can't you do this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. As well. Yeah. And I've always encouraged you to do a book. You've got to do your book yourself as well. Yeah, I've well, I remember saying to you, you were you've got to do it. You've yeah, got to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one chapter through my book. Um, and, like, I, I think that the thing with me is I struggle to put that things down on paper. Yeah. So I can talk yeah. about it till the cows come home, mate. But I will, but, you know, this time next year, I will have my book out there because I'm working. Oh, definitely. And you can take as long as you want because in doing things like we do now, like podcasts, this is what we've got to be doing, whatever form, you know, it's just. For the next generation, next generation, that's what it's all about really as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's just getting getting Definitely. the message out there and having it. Do you know what I love? The, the, the idea, I was talking, so the idea from the podcast comes from me having a chat with a friend of mine. And he said that what would be great about a podcast is one just on a platform like Spotify and um, uh, Apple Podcasts and stuff is that they'll always be there. So people yeah. can go back and listen to them and think, yeah, what did he say about that? So, yeah, no, I think you're right. You know, it's just we have to keep having these conversations. And I made a post about it the other day, like, I'll bang the drum a little bit louder and a, uh, a few more times than anyone else. But I'll, I'll do it unashamedly. Like, I will yeah. I'll talk about it constantly and I will carry on talking about it until the day comes that we can all realise that, you know, we say that saying that we it's okay not to be okay, and we can all start reaching out and getting help. Um, and it's through people like yourself who bring. What what I've one thing I've learned in the journey that I've been on is I've come across some, some really fantastic people like yourself and uh, and Jamie Denya um, and the Masked Monster who I'm hoping to get on next week to talk about depression and exercise. You know, there's yeah. so many little branches to the tree, isn't there? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You're right, and it's, it, it, it's all about working together, you know. If um, I wouldn't be where they are if, if, if the people we've been talking about before, you know, vice versa. So it's just, it's just building that momentum. And, and like, um, you know, everyone, like you said, everyone's got a different story, you know. Everyone's got a different story. And, we, and we're all experts at lived, our, our lived experience. We're all are professors of what we do. You know? So it's about, um, it's about learning off each other as well. You know, like I, I learned off yourself, Jamie. I learned off other, loads of people yeah. when I do a talk, so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, um, yeah, so like this this week I've got, it's Mental Health Awareness Week, isn't it? So on Friday I've got something planned for the lads at work, um, which I'm looking forward to, giving another, giving another talk to a load of lads on site about their mental health and looking after it and the importance of looking after it whilst on site. Because um, obviously the industry I work in is very male-orientated. Yeah. But yeah, um, so Mark, uh, just to close us then, if you could give yeah. one bit of advice to a dad out there that's listening that may be, that thinks he could be struggling a little bit, what advice would you give him? Yeah, I always say, obviously, the quicker the help, the quicker recovery, go to your professionals, you know, you've got, if you've done great, enjoy of the GP, to access community mental health services, look at people online, there's loads of online services as well now, and uh, Have a Hope is a database of mental health services. You know, talk to your partners, talk to people because, like you said, we've got the biggest killer in the men, in men under 50. There's over half a million male suicides, and we need to change this. We need to get men talking and women, obviously. Women talk better, as we know. But have a little Google, it's any dance out there. Have a little Google work I'm doing, and we've got international 
Father's Day or Health Day on June the 17th. Right. So there's, um, it's not just a UK concern about fatherhood and mental health, it's, a, it's an international concern. So please, you know, just have a look online, but don't struggle like I did, you know, in, until it gets a crisis point. Just make sure you get the help because, like I said, the quicker the help, the quicker recovery. Brilliant. And the book's available online and. Yeah, go for Amazon. Like, you know, there's, there's other resources online. I've done loads of free, free articles, stories. So if, you, if you're not interested in, in actually buying the book, you know, just have, have a little Google at work I'm doing because there's so many fathers out there who are struggling during this time as well. So you, you, you're not alone like I, I thought it was. Brilliant. So what I'll do, Mark, also, guys, what I'm going to do is after this, I'll, um, I'll link... Mark's uh, socials onto my Insta, so I'll link his, his Twitter and his Instagram, um, so you can go and give him a follow. Mark, thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate. No it. pleasure. It's been pleasure, lo- honestly. It's been lovely talking to you again, mate. And um, hopefully we can catch up soon and, and have a beer. Definitely, that'd be good. And if Cardiff City gets in the Premiership next year, I'll definitely come up and. Uh, Watch Tottenham play. Yes, yeah. Yeah, okay, mate, I'm up for that. All right, mate. All right, take care. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. So then, guys, that was Mark Williams. Um, Like I say, uh, after when the podcast ends, jump on over to to my socials, onto my Insta. Uh, You know what it is by now. Uh, I'll tag Mark in it. Have a look at his work. He's a great guy. And as always, give me some feedback. Jump into the DMs. Uh, Any questions, any queries, anything, just let me know. Uh, Take care for now, and I'll chat to you next week. So, our first guest today is somebody who is a massive inspiration to all people. So, you are a construction manager, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And you've spoken openly about mental health and the kind of stigma, especially around men, um, yeah. you know, and especially your job, you know, quite lavish. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so um, I'm happy to introduce uh, Jamie. Is that better to call you Jamie? Yeah, today? call me Jamie. J- yeah. James is my official name oh, at it's work. Quite a professional name. It is, it? <laughs> James. You're in trouble when James has come in, but it's cool, we're in a relaxed setting, so okay. Jamie's fine. Jamie is fine. So. I have met you through Blackout Radio, which yep. we're recording right now. Absolutely. Um, and you have basically started to open up um, about mental health. You've got your own podcast. Yeah, I have, which we're recording we on are. as well. So, guys, um, this is for my listeners. I'm being interviewed today for Katie Ridley's uh, podcast, which is called... What? Next. What next? So Google, uh, so search that, and subscribe <laughs> to that. Um, so yeah, I've actually taken a bit of time off from recording my podcast yeah. recently because I've been so busy at work. So I thought today's the best day to to start it. So oh, yeah, it's all good. Double whammy for both of us. I think <laughs> I think they call it in the industry simulcasting. Wow, look at you. I know, right? God, you know more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I met you. Yeah. Um, and actually, we haven't actually met you. I've just been chatting to you over Instagram yeah. and everything like that. Um, and then. Um, did you get in touch with Black Cat about your podcast? Did yeah. You get in touch with you? So I first, just just to take you way back, I um I first got in touch with Black Cat when I was unwell, mm-hmm. and I decided that I needed to talk about men's mental health. I needed to get a voice out there, so I just sent emails to like anyone I could really. Yeah. Heart Radio, Black Cat Radio, The Sun, and Steve emailed me back, and he was like, "Yeah, cool, come on." So I came in. Uh, done my first interview with him and then I just dropped him a line again recently just said like how are you I'm 
just thought I'd let you know for a little update on me. I'm doing really well. I've now got my podcast out. And Steve was like, right, you need to get in. We need, <laughs> we, we need to talk about your podcast. So, yeah, it was just from there, really. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, shall we go way back um, yeah. to, um, obviously, a difficult time. We both have spoken about mental health quite yeah. openly, both of our struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, when did it all start for you? When did you realise that you might be unwell? And when did you seek help? So... Um, as you put in your article this week like, so when I very first looking back in my teenage years I was quite a moody person or people viewed me as a moody teenager like, I was a, how I am a normal happy person um, always a joker but I was prone to bad moods I was prone to mood swings um, and people was like Do you know what he is quite a moody person um, and then sort of as that progressed into adulthood in my group of friends I was a, a joker. Then all of it would come out of the blue. Like, I remember being in Ayanapa. I was on a lad's holiday in Ayanapa in 2004, 10 of us. A fantastic holiday. But I remember sort of a couple of days into it, I felt my, lo- my mood start to slip. Uh, but back then, I didn't know what it was. And no, and I remember being sat in a bar in, on Ayanapa Strip, 11 o'clock at night, absolutely buzzing, mid-July, like you couldn't, I was 21 years old, you couldn't wish for anywhere to be. And I just looked at my group of mates and I thought not one of you would care if I went and got in that sea yeah. and didn't come out. And it like, again, so I didn't realize what that was at the time. I just thought I was in a bad mood. My mates were actually bantering me for it. Like, why are you being moody, why are you being moody? And I was like, I don't know, just shut up, don't talk to me. Yeah. And I thought I was moody, but looking back, I was probably in a period of depression then. And suicide, I've, I've realized personally of suicide, when I think of, when I previously had thought of suicide, I thought of like, okay, I'm gonna go kill myself kind of thing. Yeah. When actually, for me, waves of um, feeling low and not good enough actually came from me just saying, well, if I if I walked out in front of a car. Who would care? Who'd care, and you know what, I'm not gonna look when I cross the road, and stuff like that where, as I think we don't realize mm-hmm. that that may be where people need to start getting help if you start thinking that way. Um, I think, yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, well, I mean, with suicidal thoughts, they're horrible because they're intrusive. And when you first start having them, you're like, whoa, where's that come from? And then is that real? Is it a real thought? Like, and you don't... Guilt. Yeah, absolutely. Because so I have everything I could possibly want in the world and I'm suddenly thinking if I walk out in front of the car... It's no one cares. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I'm the same. Like, so any time I've, I've thought about harming myself, like on the face of it, let's, let, let, let's get some facts. I've got a good job. I've got two beautiful cho- two beautiful children. The hell I've caught from that today. <laughs> yeah, two beautiful children, great group of mates, a girlfriend that cares for me unconditionally, pet a, a mum that loves me unconditionally. Do you know what I mean? I've, yeah. got, I've got a lot going for me, but when I'm unwell and I'm having thoughts of hurting myself, that I don't think of that. No. All I think is, I don't deserve that. Yeah. Now, if you followed my Instagram, you'll see I made a post the other day, like the person behind the photo, and people look at me, I'm like, because oh, I'm, I'm your typical lad, do you know what I mean? Yeah. What you call your typical lad, I guess, to look yeah. at. <laughs> I guess if you looked at me out on the street, you'd think this guy, is, he, he won't suffer with, yeah. with poor mental health. So I, I follow a guy on Instagram called the Bristol Viking. Um, we're, we're part of a, a group on there called Mental Health Muscle. Really good, supportive. Oh, yeah, I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. so we're, that's, that's where I sort of come across him first. 
and he done the post exactly the same and I was like do you know what I'm going to do that I'm, I'm going to I'm going to plagiarise it yeah. so I'd done that and in that I said like I'm just I struggle with these negative thoughts and when I'm having negative thoughts I convince myself I don't deserve happiness mm -hmm. and that's the depression yeah. that's what it does to you it lies to you so when did you realise that you were struggling with depression probably about 2014 mm -hmm. yeah about 2014 sorry. you told me it was like quite powerful um, about you were going to end your life yeah um, and you didn't but can you tell me a bit more about that yeah of course yeah so I was going through a massive transitional point in my, in my personal life at the time um me and my ex-wife had split up and split up a few months which is hard yeah. it is hard it was for the right reasons but it was hard um and i guess that contributed to it work was getting quite stressful and it all team <laughs> um it all sort of yes yeah, snowballed and i could feel it coming on and i was like do you know what I'm, I'm getting unwell again but I, I ignored it yeah. like I'd always I've, I've always been the best at ignoring it like every, I'd go and get medication every now and then and take it for two weeks and think I don't need that anymore so I started to ignore it and then to take you to the day itself it was a Saturday um, and I was due to pick my children up so I went out and I'd done my normal thing what I was doing I went and trained in the gym Didn't, wasn't nothing special left the gym and normally when I leave the gym I feel good but I left the gym this particular day and I just felt like there was this huge weight inside of me and I was like what's, you know, what's going on today so I drove to pick my children up uh, my children live in Godmanchester so the drive from St Neots to Godmanchester the only way I can describe this was as if my sadness was on a dial and someone had their fingers on the dial and they were turning it up slowly 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 and it was increasing increasing and I was like, do you know, I've just got to get out of this funk. So I went and picked my children up, took them to McDonald's, sat in McDonald's, and you know, normally, like my children, my life, and I was sat and I couldn't, I just couldn't enjoy the moment, and I was like, what's going on? Like, I'm looking at my two beautiful baby boys who bring me everything, and I'm not, all I can think is how much I want to be away, not from them, but from me. Yeah. Like, this, this isn't, this isn't Jamie sat here, this yeah. isn't their dad sat here, I don't know what... So my local football team, I've spent many years playing for. Um, got a really, I'm you know, really fond of the club and I've got a lot of mates still play down there. They were at home, so I was like, right, cool, enjoy my football. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the boys, I'm going to go and watch a bit of football. So we went and watched a bit of football. And I remember just stood there and I'm chatting to, to old, these are old friends, people I've not seen in a while. So I was having, you know, normally that's a nice, when you bump into someone you've not seen in a while, it's a nice thing, isn't it? And I'm talking to a really good friend of mine who I'd not seen for a while. Normally, I'd be really yeah. happy to sit and I just think... Well, it was like a chore, doesn't it? It was a chore. I thought, I can't, I don't want to talk to you. And like, I remember watching my children playing and I was like, right, you just need to focus on them. That, that, and it, just that level of sadness increased, 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 increased. So it got to the time of day where I had to drop the kids home. So I took, I took the boys home, went into their house... Um, I went up and that was it. Something went in my head on the drive from Patworth to Godmanchester that I was going. And I remember even driving and saying out loud, that's it, I'm going tonight. And I said that. For people that don't know, that's not that far in to drive, is it? Five minutes. Yeah. So five minute drive. Yeah. And I remember on the drive, I said it out loud, that's it, I'm going. Because yeah. I'd made the decision, I couldn't live with it anymore. Got to their house, I went into my eldest son's bedroom 
I took off my wristwatch, got like a Hugo Boss wristwatch, took that off and in my left ear, people think it's a bit like acting like an 18 year old, but I wear like a diamond stud. Yeah. The reason I wear it is, it was a, they were gifts years and years ago, but as my kids have grown up, I do like r- rubbish magic tricks, like yeah. Tommy Cooper-esque <laughs> magic tricks. And I told my kids, that's where I keep, because they was like, where'd you get your magic from? And I was like, I keep it in my diamond. Yeah. And I went into my son's room and I took my diamond out and I put it in his bedroom and then that was it. Got in the car, drove from Godmanchester to St. Neots, which is another 10 minute, 15 minute drive. Got to the roundabout at Priory Hill, and I remember making this con- oh, the, like this entire journey. It felt like I was removed, and I was sat in the back seat, watching yourself, watching myself yeah. screaming, yeah. going, "What are you doing? Just go home, go home, yeah. just go home, get some sleep, go home and rest." So I got to the roundabout at Priory Hill, where you can turn right to go to Little Patterson or straight yeah. on into town, and I was like, "This is where your decision's made. If you go home, that's it. You're fine. We can fight on. But if you turn right, that's it. Done." And I turned right and I headed to Paxton Pitts Nature Reserve. Got down to Paxton Pitts and in my car was my work bag. What I've, a bit I've left out is prior to this, I'd thought of other ways to commit suicide. Like I work next to a train track. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody that has um, intrusive thoughts has got lots of uh, waves of ideas in their heads yeah. about what they could do. Um, yeah, so at the time I was working next to a train track and it got to a point where I was timing the trains. Yeah. And I was like, right, well, the fast train goes past at six minutes past 11. That's the train, but I chose not to do it that way. A, because I had a mate go that way. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what was holding me back. And B, I was scared of messing it up. Like, if I was gonna do it, I've got to do it. Yeah. So what I'd done is my mum, at the time I was living at my mum's, I was staying at my mum's. In a uh, shed, she had a rotary washing line and I went in and I cut a length of cord and I tied it up in a noose and I put it in my car because that was... I thought, the next time I get this low, that's how I'm going. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah. So, anyway, so I get to Paxton Pitts and I had a work bag and in my work bag was a notebook and I wrote my suicide note. Wrote my suicide note, um, folded it up, put it on the dashboard, went into the boot of the car and at the time I was a football coach as well, I coached kids at football so again something else I had going for me, you know, I was giving back to society and I'd done it for six years, absolutely loved it. But our tracksuit was black, mm-hmm. so I put my black tracksuit on, put a dark woolly hat on, some dark boots, pulled the noose out of the car and then put it in my pocket, went for a walk around Paxton Pitts. There's lots of like, people don't know Paxton Pitts, lots of trees, uh, water. Alleyways. Yeah, it's a really lovely place, really. It's beautiful, beautiful beautiful and peaceful, exactly. So I found, do you know what, (laughs) as I was walking about, there was people obviously camping out, because I remember hearing this music and hearing people laughing and joking and the anger I felt towards those people. Why could this not, why could I not be them? And why could, why is this me? Yeah, I just felt angry. Like, I thought, I'm about to take, are you kidding? I'm about to take my life. Yeah. So I find this copse of trees going and it was, really, it was so surreal. It just felt like the entire time I'm following myself. Going, what are you doing? Just go home. So I'm looking and this is the point, like this is when you, you get people who make suicide attempts as a cry for help and you get people who make suicide attempts that are serious about it. It started to become a process for me and I was so calm. 
so calm about it all because you think of people who are suicidal with being manic and oh my god I'm going to yeah. kill myself because you you know you read about it then you, you you see it on TV where people get dumped by their girlfriend and that's it they start crying I'm going to kill myself but yeah. I was calm and any research I've done into suicide because obviously doing what I do now and being what I've done I've done a lot of research into it they say that people that, that do commit suicide when they're serious about their attempts they're calm it, and and they're, they're in that tunnel vision, aren't they? And it was. They not see anybody else in, you know, they say it about people that jump on the train. That person is in that, they're so low, they can barely see anything. Yeah. That is it, that's all they can see, is that, is that, is that train or that tunnel. So, yeah, it became like a process for me, like a job. Like, I've got to do this. So, I found a tree that I wanted to do it tied the noose to it, even to a point where I was hanging off it to test it because I thought I can't afford for this to go wrong. Put it round my neck. What felt like an eternity, it was probably seconds. I closed my eyes and my phone was in my pocket, it was in my right pocket. I put the phone in my hand because there was a body of water next to the tree. Put the phone in my hand closed my eyes, took what I thought was going to be my last breath before, because the plan was to throw it and jump at the same time, because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to back out, because I thought if I leave the phone in my pocket, I'm going to struggle, I'm going to call 999, because again, the research shows that people that have attempted suicide and failed, the minute, the second, the split second they've attempted it, they've regretted it. Yeah. So knowing what I knew, I thought I don't want to regret it, and then try and do something about it, like I needed this to be done. Yeah. And as I took that breath, and I would tell anyone that will listen, not well, I am religious now, not not a devout Christian, but I, I did find, you know, I have been saved, as they say. But at the time, I closed my eyes and I said, God, like, if, you, if you're real, yeah. you've got to save me because I can't. Yeah. I'm not going to move on from this. And as true as I sit here in front of you now, Katie, I closed my eyes, I took a breath, and I could see it as vividly in front of my left eye, I saw my eldest son, Richie James, and in front of my right eye, I saw my youngest son, Samuel, and then in an instant, bang, I went, I'm not effing doing this. Yeah. Pulled the noose off, threw it up the tree. As I threw it up the tree, I slipped. I slipped yeah. off the log I was yeah. stood on, and had that still been around my neck, I'd, yeah, you I'd, have, I'd have died. And I, put, I threw the noose up, and this is where it takes a little bit of a comedic turn. So I threw it up the tree and it was almost as like, right, just go home now. Like, you, that's it, mate, you need to get home. So I jump in the car and I'm like, right, I need to talk to someone about this. So I called Samaritans. Mm-hmm. Called a Samaritans number and I get, a vo- I get a voicemail saying, we're really busy, can you call back later? Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I actually laughed. Yeah. I was like, are you for real? That just shows what the world's like now. I mean, if, it, if they're that busy, yeah. I mean, in, in a serious note, if they're that busy, then how many other people at the same time do you are trying to get yeah, through to them? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I call it up and um, I drive home and I go in and my mum, who I was living with at the time, she was watching Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> And I went in, and she went, oh, you're right, and doing her knitting, putting her knitting down. She went, oh, you're right. And I was like, yeah, I'm just really tired, Mum, I'm going to go to bed. And she went, oh, go on then, go, go and get in your room, I'll bring you a cup of tea. And I was like, so I fell asleep, and it was the day before Mother's Day. And the Sunday, I woke up, and I was like, did that happen? Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and that was that, that day. Quite exciting, our producer Marcus has brought us uh, cups of tea. Cups of tea, that absolute is, uh, superstar. That is yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers, Marcus. Thank you, mate. Yeah. So, 
that obviously is, I, that's so emotional and I completely understand where you're coming from when you say you feel like you're looking at yourself. Yeah. I've been in situations where I've been sat with my friends and I don't feel like I'm sat with them or I feel like I'm sat with them but I'm not in the same space as them. Yeah. I don't know about you but I've never felt like I've quite fitted in with people um, and when I'm in a group of friends, you know, they're all so lovely and everyone's so amazing and still I feel to myself, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I can't wait to go uh, home and just sit in my bed and not do anything. Do they really want me here? Yeah. You say one thing and then you think, I shouldn't have said that. Anxiety. Everyone hates me. Yeah, everyone yeah. hates. Oh my gosh, everyone's talking about my, behind my back now, and it's that. So no, and it's just that. How do you deal with that? Them thoughts. How how do you deal with them? How do I deal with those thoughts? Well, now I, 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 after everything I've been through, whenever I have a negative thought now, I just allow it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I've been to the very bottom, and when I say the very bottom, I don't think you get. The next step's dead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I say it with a smile on my face, and, and perhaps I shouldn't say it with a smile on my face, but it's more, more of a relieved smile. You know, every day I think about it, and I do think about it every single day, and I will think about it every single day for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah. But now, yeah, I just allow it. Like, don't, my, my poor girlfriend, she puts up with so much for me when I'm, go, when I'm low. Yeah, she same, same with my boyfriend, I think. And that also, not even, I, I just sometimes will just switch moods and I'll be fine and then I'll just go into this deep pit of despair where I'll just sit there and be be a victim yeah yeah that, no that is it yeah and do you know what it is actually just probably as hard for people to watch you that love you go through that absolutely they can't do anything about it and no people always like you says well what can I do to help and I just say just leave me alone for a little bit well this is it like Mike do you know what bless her like she would know I'm in a bad mood and she'll go like well, what do you want me to say I'm like don't say anything yeah and she'll she, yeah so she takes it but yeah now so I have a bad thought, I allow it. Like the anxiety thing you're saying about, you know, like if you do something, you think that's oh, a bit stupid. Yeah. Like I'm in a group chat, I think like everyone is on their WhatsApp group the yeah. other day. And uh, just being men, we talk about football a lot. And I made like a little Premier League all-time 11 up and I sent it out in the group chat. And the, but then I realised I'd only put 10 players in it. Oh, no. Like to the normal person, yeah. that'd be like, well... Do you know, for the next 20 minutes, I looked at my phone constantly. I'm the same. I'll be, um, I'll, 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 do, I'll think someone's annoyed at me and then I won't drive somewhere for the next 20 minutes because I'll be waiting for someone to text me back. Yeah. And that's genuine. And I just think, and they text me back, it's fine. I just think, what is wrong with me? You know, I'm going mad. If someone don't respond to you, yeah. the worst thing for me is two blue ticks on a WhatsApp without a response. Yeah. I'm like, are you airing me? Like, yeah. do you know <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Are you, are, you, are you annoyed? And usually it's people just busy. Oh, well, yeah, I'm the, wor- I'm the worst for it. I'm the worst for not replying, by the way. Yeah. And um, like, I'll read a message and I'll put it in my pocket and I'll genuinely forget, yeah. you know? Um, but I think, yeah, so now, like, if I say... If I say something and then that little anxious thing will come up, it's like I saw a thing on the internet, I saw, uh, like, a meme the other day saying, um, if you don't tell me what I've done to upset you, I'm just going to make it up in my head anyway. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather someone turn around to me and say, look, you've annoyed me. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, other than having to guess whether or not you're friends with somebody, you like them, whether or not they've, you know, you've upset them, they've said something, you know, and it's just, and that's what annoys me a lot. Uh, I'm very, I would say I'm sensitive and I'm anxious a lot. Yeah. And people could sometimes use that to their advantage and they know that you're going to back down and you know they know that maybe one day okay, well, I won't talk to them or I've upset them, it doesn't matter because they'll apologise to me first. Or... Yeah. And then See, I'm, I'm completely different. Like, I'm, I'm a really strong character. I have to be yeah. in my job. Yeah. I have to be. But there are days where it is a front. 
yeah. and it genuinely like so I come across as a big bullshit site yeah. manager do as I say it's my I'm going to ask you about work how did um, so you said to me when, let's start with when you went to get help yeah. from the doctors yeah. um, what did you do and what did you say because I've been in the same position and it is actually terrifying to go and see the doctor yeah. well I, do you know what previous to so my very first time going to see the doctor I'd, it come off the back of I was at work and I was a trainee site manager at the time so the stress is I'd never had this stress before and I thought maybe is it stress I don't know so I, I go and see the doctor and I'm taught and I was absolutely breaking myself and I thought what do I tell this guy what, yeah what do you say because I had I just I'm like them I sat outside the waiting room making the worst case scenarios thinking what happens if they take me to hospital because I've got something really wrong with me and yeah. then they say, okay, they, they sit you down, don't they? Okay, so what can I help you with today? And you go, so, uh, my, I want to die. <laughs> my, my brain yeah. is telling me that I want to die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for with me, like, my, what I was worried about is the doctor saying to me, well, have you got a real problem? Yeah. Like, because everyone's aware of how stretched the NHS is. Mm-hmm. And in my mind... I'm thinking I'm wasting this guy's time and I'm in a I'm in a waiting room and there's an old lady there who's probably got pneumonia and I've got about three <laughs> yeah. three minutes left to live and I'm gonna go in there and tell him that I'm feeling yeah. a bit sad. I tell you what happened to me, I, I did go to the doctors after I this is the third time I booked the appointment and I counselled it for the first two times thinking I was fine. Yeah. Because this is the thing with these illnesses, you don't feel like that constantly. So I thought, okay, I'm fine now. I did eventually go and I sat, she sat me down and I just, she said, okay, what can I help you with today? Yeah. And it was just 15 minutes of tears. Yeah. Um, and she said to me, I apologise, I'm sorry, she goes, it's eight o'clock, Katie, and you're the fourth person I've had come in here today with a mental health problem. Yeah. Um, so don't apologise. Absolutely. Um, and I just thought, fourth person, it's only eight o'clock in the morning, like, what? And it is, it is difficult to go to the doctors and ask for help, and sometimes I think maybe... We need to have separate mental health kind of practitioners that are just there um, for people that have got mental health issues. I think, yeah, it's that and it's accepting it. Yeah. Like, the world at the minute is in the middle, it's in the grip of a mental health epidemic. Mm-hmm. It is, and this is, and I'll get it on my horse a little bit now. Every time there's a pandemic that goes about, it is in the media, left, right and centre. AIDS, quite rightly, back in the 80s. Yeah. The world panicked about AIDS. Cancer has always been there, but in the 90s, big drive, Macmillan came about, and we all done this huge, you know, everyone's cancer. And please, before people jump off at me and start sending me messages, I'm not belittling those two illnesses that are that awful. Why? Just because you can't see my illness, your illness, millions of other people out there illness why can't we talk about it why do we feel ashamed to go to the doctors because if I was suffering with the symptoms of heart disease Mm -hmm. I'd go to the doctor and when I went to the doctor I told my family I was going to the doctor my family would make me go to the doctor and then off the back of that people would talk how's Jamie getting on with his heart disease is he okay because yeah. it's a mental health problem there's this stigma I didn't tell anybody I was going to I, I think I told my boyfriend but I think that was the third time and it was like he forced me yeah. you need to go now but I didn't tell my mum or my dad or any, and I'm very close to them I didn't tell anybody um, and so shall we so say somebody is listening and they think they have got mental health problem they're you know and what, what happens when we go to the doctor shall we chat about that because yeah, that's, that's I was cool. terrified 
Yeah. What do they do? What do they say? What happens? So again, like pe- people ask me all the time about what happens, what can I do? Everyone's experience is different. 100%. And I can only give you my experience. So I've been to the doctor for mental health problems probably four times. Twice really serious. Once was a c- attempted suicide. And the other time was last year, which by the way, I was more unwell last year than I was when I attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. Last year was probably the best experience I had at the doctor. Very nice lady. I sat down and talked to her, told her everything. And she went, right, okay, so we've got two choices. I told her about my job. Yeah. She said, I can sign you off work. But if I sign you off work, I need to know what you're going to do at that time. Obviously, rest and recover, which is important. But she said, I need to know what you're going to do with it. She, whilst I sat there, she challenged me. Yeah. And I was like, well... It, it, for me, it was like... I can go one or two ways here. I can either use the time positively yeah. by going to the gym. And I'd always enjoyed working out and training and exercise anyway. Or I can sit at home and wallow. Now, don't get me wrong. I needed the time to rest yeah. and relax and sleep. And then I went to the gym, and but she kept checking on me. She kept making me come back yeah. and saying, like, how are you doing? And like on my review, every review I had, she was like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. And she really, really helped me, and, and she sort of forced me to speak about it yeah. and asked me what my coping mechanisms were and stuff. Have you had... Um, I, I was offered antidepressants, which I went on. Yeah. Um, I was also told to self-refer myself with CBT. Yeah. Um, I, I did... I had to do that, but I also thought that there's a bit of a flaw there because I know when I've been very unwell in the past, I have barely done any, any you're the least productive person, so I would never have um, self-referred myself or anything, no. but I did this time and it, it was helpful, Yeah. Um, but I think people need to realise that it, you're not going to get laughed at, you're not going to get, you know, these people are trained professionals, they know how to help you. It's no different to going in with a cough. No, exactly. If you are unwell, if you if it's affecting your life, you know, I think thinking, is it affecting my work? Well, yes, because I can barely get out of bed. Okay, well, I need to go to the doctor's about then because, you know, it's getting ridiculous. And she said to me, how long do you think you felt like this for? And I said, probably about two years. Yeah. And she said, what? And I said, well, I've just, I just didn't have to deal with it. Would and you live with a headache for two weeks, yeah, for two years? you wouldn't. Would you live, yeah, would you have a cold for two years? No, you'd be terrified. So this is why it's important to go and help, get help if you can. Um, talk to somebody um, very, you know, talk to somebody you know. Yeah. And say to them, I'm having a tough time at the moment. And that, it's not. And that's important. But it's also knowing that I've, I've had to say to people quite a few times, it's not that I am down and I'm just moody. It's not that I'm having, you know, it's different to having feelings. It's yeah. different to that. I've got, I've got a mental health illness. And, yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm unwell. I'm, I'm well. Yeah, and that's that's important. Like with me. A week and a half ago, I had to come home from work. Yeah, I've had to come home. I've gone to the point where I've gone to work before. Um, Debbie, who I work with, just said to me, "Are you okay?" And I burst into tears, and she said, "No, just go home." Yeah, but okay, the, the trouble is, because in my job, because that I'm, I'm, you know, I sort of, I'm running the site. Like I, I am the boss there. You know, I do have people that I answer to, as we all do. Um, but it just got to a point during that I was in, I was in a really bad place, and it got to two o'clock in the afternoon. And I thought, if this was a migraine, I'd go home. Yeah. So I did. I literally, I just got in my car, said to the lad who I work with, I was like, look, I'm not feeling great. I'm going home. Yeah. And that's what I think. Once we start normalising it, and that is the that's the key word, normalising it. Once we start normalising it, it does become easier. Yeah. 
but it's something that the whole society's got. Everyone's got to buy into it. And we all need to. Um, we all need to realise what the right things are to say. Let's go with that. So yeah. Let's talk about that. What is the right thing to say? Because when I found out that when I so I sat down with the doctors and she said, well, what do you want me to do about it? And I said, I don't know, that's why I'm here, so this is my last option. Yeah. I've tried everything else. Yeah. I, and I think she was relieved when I said that. And then she said, okay, well, I think you're suffering from severe depression and yeah. anxiety. And I said, I've known I've got anxiety, but I, I, I didn't know I had that. And I thought, how am I going to tell anybody this? I texted my mum <laughs> saying that I've been to the doctors, I've got severe depression, I've been put on antidepressants, and I'm having CPT therapy, love you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and she just replied saying, it's okay, we'll get through it. Yeah. yeah. And that relief was just, okay, I told my mum, she can tell my dad. It's like <laughs> so ripping off a plaster. It really is. And, you know, if you are with somebody or your friends with somebody that's struggling, maybe just give them a bit of time and cut them a little bit of slack. Because I find that I cancel plans a lot with my friends. If yeah. I'm well. And I don't want them to sit there and think that it's because I don't like them and I don't want to hang out with yeah. them. Some days it's hard enough to get out of bed and have a shower, let alone go out with your friends and sit there. And I wouldn't enjoy it if I if I, if I was in that way. I wouldn't enjoy going out. No, no. It is. It, you know what? It's it's so hard. So the correct thing is. So when I was first diagnosed as unwell and had depression, the first conversation I had was with my ex-wife at the mm-hmm. time, and I found that hard because yeah. we had a son, and as a dad, as a male, yeah. I had to admit. That something was wrong with me. It's hard telling people that you know than telling people you don't know. Then later on in life, if and then I had to tell my friends. Now, just bear in mind, in two thousand and twelve, we'd lost a mate to suicide. He threw himself. Unfortunately, you know, he put himself under a train. So telling my friends was hard because I thought oh, they're gonna worry. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That that I'm gonna put all of everything we've just gone through. They're gonna go through it again. And then telling my mum was hard. But I think it, it's harder for you to say it than it is for them to listen. Because yeah. if you've got people that genuinely care about you, it's the same as you going up to them and saying, I've got migraine. Yeah. Just, it's just nice to know people are there. And I, I very rarely talk to people. I never very rarely message my friends and say, this is how I feel with women. I mean, I don't even say it to my boyfriend. Because sometimes... It comes and goes, and if I know how to deal with it, I might write it down. I might write it down how I'm yeah. feeling, and just get that out of the way. Let myself wallow in it for about a day, and then I'm okay. Yeah. But I, I know when I'm ill because I get these like episodes of depression where it's like I, I'm really unwell. I, I feel the physical symptoms. You know, I'm tired. I'm tearful. Um, I have headaches. I just feel awful. And then the next two days, I just sleep. And, that's, yeah. and you, it's knowing that pattern that you have as well, knowing how to recognise, okay, yeah. I'm feeling like this and I don't really know how to deal with it, but I will deal with it. Yeah. And once you know the patterns of what, 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 how you feel, and if you, know, if you can recognise that, I think that's helpful. Absolutely. So with me, again, so I know when I'm going to be unwell. One of my overriding symptoms is anger. And it's not directed at anyone, it's directed at the situation I find myself in. I get so angry about the fact that I have to live with this. Like, yeah. I can't do anything about it. No, and that's the problem. It's not, I'm never, I'm never not going to have uh, no. depression. I, I am not depression, but depression lives within me. And, Absolutely. Um, I, I probably would always have, um, have it. Yeah, so I get angry, and then from that, it transpires into I lose my I, I get angry quickly at situations. Mm-hmm. Then I get moody. 
then I push people away because the way I look at it is these guys have done nothing wrong so they don't need you bringing them down so the way that manifests itself in me is I push them away I'll be I'll be I'll be stroppy with people I won't talk to them when I do talk to them they'll know I'm in a bad mood and I'll go out of my way to let some people know I'm in a bad mood Um, but then again that's when it shows the people that really love you because if they understand it they're like right okay cool you're not well I'm gonna allow it like it just I sometimes say like to my boyfriend um, I was gonna sit in my room gonna sit in our room I'm just gonna not talk to anybody and I'm just gonna read a book or listen to a podcast I'll just lie there and for a couple of hours and then I'll I'll submerge after a couple of hours of wallowing in myself yeah And I'll say, okay, what's for dinner then? <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. And then, it, then it's a bit like, okay, well, I'm still feeling that way, but I've got over that shock because otherwise I find that if I ignore that feeling, it gets worse. Yeah. It gets worse. And then that's when I get to the point where I can't cope. Yeah, see, with me, like, it always comes on in the middle of the day when I can't really do anything about it. It's good that it comes on at work because I've got to focus on my job. Yeah. It becomes hard to focus on my job. But then I find myself getting towards the end of the day and the gym's my therapy and I'm like right I just need to get to the gym and then I get into the gym and I, and I train hard for a couple of hours and afterwards the only way I can describe it is you know when you've been physically unwell when you've had a really bad cold really bad flu yes and you get to the end of it and your body's wiped out and you're drained you feel okay but you're just tight that's how I feel when I come out of the gym so if I'm having a bad time if I've had an episode of depression and I go to the gym and I train and I work hard. Like, I literally leave nothing there. So the way, the way my, I've set my mind now is I'm going to leave depression on the weight rack. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to work, and I'm going to leave it in puddles of sweat on the gym floor, and I'm going to leave it on the weight rack. And when I come out, it will stay there. Yeah. And then, so I get in the car, and then I'm home, and then I'll be on the phone to, to my girlfriend or to my mum or to friends, and they're like, are you all right now? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just drained now. Yeah. And then you have a, you have a really good night's sleep, like, well, I, I do. I always sleep. I, do you know what? I always sleep at my best when I'm at the end of a depressive episode. It's because you're probably absolutely exhausted. Yeah. yeah I do. I, that's one of the when I had signs of depression. I the one of the things I knew that I was unwell about was I was exhausted. I mean, like I could barely get up. I, yeah. You know, and I just didn't know what was wrong. And I just and that was one of the main symptoms for me that I realised. Okay, but now I I went I, I went to the doctor's hoping that she wasn't going to tell me I had depression and that I just had something else and when she said no it sounds like you have I was a bit like okay now I've got to deal with that but now I know what it is I'm not going mad <laughs> yeah you don't but the thing is you don't want to get up do you no. well you do but there's something that says no like do you know what Katie when I was really unwell last year in my bathroom I've got like a medicine cabinet mm-hmm. and the door was open that door stayed open for four days because that, that's what I'm like I had I didn't have the energy and bear in mind I'm a man yeah. so when I go to the toilet I have to stand up and this thing <laughs> is at eye level six inches from my face yeah. and I genuinely yeah. didn't have the energy to shut it I've got an example as well I, last week before my boyfriend had been away for the weekend I thought okay well I'll try and clean the flat before he gets back so I started it all started making taking on the duvet and everything off the bed make, put a new bed in line I fell asleep in the bed with the bed with the yeah. on it. Yeah. And he came home like, what are you doing? And yeah. I was like, I, I just can't finish any of these jobs. I can't do it. No. So I'll just take one thing at a time, please. Yeah. Don't try and do it. But I'm saying, a, a pair of trousers will stay on the floor. For, for days? Yeah. Weeks? 
because I can't physically get down there and lift it up, and it sounds stupid, but that's because I just can't bear to think about doing it. <laughs> yeah, I just want to get, I want to breathe. Like, yeah. it, it's enough for me to breathe. Yeah. And again, one of the things that made me realise I needed help when I got ill last year is um, I had my children for the weekend, and on the Saturday, I spent all day in bed, and my young, uh, my eldest son come to, the, come to the top of the stairs and went, Daddy, are you all right? This is my son. Yeah. And I went, yeah, I'm all right, mate. He said, well, you've just been in bed all day and you look really sad. Oh. And I was like, right, okay, cool. Yeah. Your kids are starting. This is starting to affect your kids. Yeah. Now you need to tackle it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then off that, I, that's when I, I got help and... Yeah. Yeah. So on a, on a, before we finish up, um, on a positive note, yeah. if somebody's listening yeah. and they have thought, okay, I'm feeling like that, or I know someone that's feeling like that, what are the best tips for them? Oh, okay, so I've got loads. So the first thing is admit it. Yeah. Just allow it. Just say, I'm unwell. And look yourself, look in the mirror. And if you're feeling as bad as I've felt, and I'm sure if you've felt, mm-hmm. looking in the mirror becomes hard. I but mean, I, I've been to open up now. I have counselling. Been having it for a couple of weeks now. Uh, the lady's brilliant, and she said to me, "I don't. I've never cried yet." So can, and she said to me, um, "What? What? What's? What have you been upset about this week?" And I just burst into tears and said, "I can't look in the mirror." Yeah. She said, "What?" And I said, "I just can't. I can't do it this week. I cannot do it." Yeah. Um, and people need to realise that if you're feeling that way, you need to just say to yourself, "Okay, I might not be able to look in the mirror because I might not like the look of myself, but I'm not as horrific as I think I am." Exactly. And, so, yeah, allow it. Yeah. Just admit to yourself, I'm unwell. Get help for crying out loud. I mean, we, we've covered it in great detail tonight. And I will say it every single day for the rest of, for as long as I live. There is no shame in getting help. And I'm not saying that for effect. I'm saying it because it's true. Mm-hmm. You can walk into that, do- we're looking at a doctor's surgery out of this window. Yeah, you, c- you can walk over to that doctor's surgery tomorrow morning and say to the doctor, I'm not well, and he will help you. If you don't feel doing it with a GP first, do it with someone you love. If you can't feel comfortable doing it with someone you love, the internet is a wonderful place. Talk to someone online. Yeah. Op- just, just open up to yeah. someone. Just yeah. say to them, I'm not well, I need help. And then, once you've admitted that, want to get better, say, because no, no one's going to do it for you, and that, that's the realisation. No one's going to knock on your door and go, by the way, this, it's, time. it's time for you to get, you need to get better. Yeah. And then my last tip is find something that you enjoy doing and do it often. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. If anybody else wants to have a listen to your podcast, how can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, and my username is uh, at its underscore yeah y y a underscore boy underscore j m e. It's your boy j m e. I'll link all this as well. Yeah. The the link to my podcast is on there. Uh, you can search it on Spotify, hashtag are you okay, mate, and search it on Apple Podcasts, yeah. hashtag are you okay, Fantastic. mate. Thank you so much for coming. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be here. So, guys, as well, uh, check my Instagram uh, afterwards. I'll link Katie's uh, podcast much. on there. And yeah, no, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. I forgot to ask you the first question. Yeah. So can we just do it quickly? Yeah. I just want to ask everybody what they've done today that makes them proud. 
what have I done today to make... Yeah, yeah. let me ask you. Right. Okay, so to start off with, I'm going to ask all my guests this first question. What have you done today that you're proud of? <laughs> I'll tell you what I've done today, what I'm proud of. I've posted the article that you produced <laughs> uh, and the, so many people have reached out to me. Fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, really proud of that. Okay, so brilliant. So guys, that's that's us done as well. Jump on over to my Instagram and yeah, send me a DM if you want. As always, you know where I am. Cheers.